Um, we are reading from uh, Matthew, the uh, 16th chapter, and picking it up at verse 21. Now, what we have just read in, in Matthew is where Jesus asked his disciples, he said, hey, who does everybody think I am? And they say, well, some think you're this prophet, some think you're that, and one guy said, man, some people think you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. They didn't know who really Jesus was. And Jesus said, yeah, but who do you guys think I am? And then Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And he really praises them for really having this revelation from God. So he just got praise for having a revelation from God. And then we read the next line, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Now, it's stunning how clearly Jesus told them what was going to happen. And then when it happened, they were stunned. It's like, zing! They had no idea what was going on. Now, in all fairness to the disciples, Jesus was often talking in parables, so they didn't know what he was talking about half the time. They really didn't. And it got to the point where they were afraid, the Bible says, to ask him any questions. You know, you ask him, I ain't asking him, you ask him, you know, because he kept yelling at him because they weren't understanding these things. Well, Peter, just off of his God showed me stuff thing, actually takes Jesus literally here, and he starts to get a picture of what Jesus is talking about. So, Peter, in verse 22 says, it, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus, saying, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And then Jesus turns to Peter and said, this is a guy you just said, God has shown you this. Turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Whoa, there's a drop in status, huh? <laughs> One minute, God's here, you're here from God. Next minute, you're the devil. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do have no, uh, do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I'm sure Peter was stunned to get that response. And probably another reason why he probably put all that talk of going to Jerusalem and dying off on some shelf somewhere, like, I, I guess I didn't get it, you know. Uh, when in fact he was starting to get it, but anyway, by the time it all happens, they're totally stunned. It wasn't until Jesus rose from the dead that the Bible says, then they started to understand, oh, he was literal, that's what he was talking about. That's how hard it was for them to understand Jesus, even though he told them plainly, it wasn't that they were stupid, sometimes you wonder if these guys were dumb, it's just to them, listening to Jesus and trying to understand what he's talking about was really a challenge for them. Now, a couple of things about this. It's amazing how at one point a person can be influenced by God and then turn around and then be influenced by Satan himself, okay? Which you need to be careful, all right? When you are feeling God is telling you one thing or another or, and, and, and to check your motives behind what you're doing. Oftentimes we are responding uh, out of good motives. Sometimes just, you're just mad. You know, anybody ever get mad and say things you wish you hadn't said? <laughs> that would be the Satan category, okay? We've all done it. And it's amazing how much you can swing one way or the other. Uh, that's why the Bible says when uh, the, the church should let the prophets speak. Now, when we say prophets, we're not talking Old Testament fire and brimstone kind of guys. We're talking about just people who feel like God is saying something to them and speaking to them. And they share that with other people. He says, let them do that but they have to let other people judge what they are saying. 
Now that's something that we don't get a lot of today. Oftentimes people who think God is telling them something become extremely arrogant. You can't tell me, God told me, God, oh, God told me, you're not listening, oh, the Lord told me, I don't have to listen to anybody. They become arrogant. Anyone who's been a Christian, especially an evangelical Christian for very long, has run into these people. You can't tell them jack squat. We don't have a lot of those people in this church because we tend to filter them out fairly quickly because we just don't listen to them, you know, and then they get mad and stuff like that. But you think God's telling you something, you need to be open to letting other people challenge you on it. You're not always right. Look at Peter. One minute, it's God, ding, 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 ding. Next minute, he's way off. All right? You've got to understand that. You are not infallible. So don't get so arrogant when you feel like God's told me this. And Christians, you know, we get so obnoxious sometimes. And these people who always say, God told me. You know, it's the Christian way of telling people to shut up. It is. You know, I got this idea. Well, you're wrong. Well, God told me. It's a Christian way of politely telling people to shut up. You can't tell them anything because God told me. The minute you pull that card, you're in bad territory. You should never have to tell anyone, well, God told me. The minute you do that, you're in a bad place, okay? A little humility. God may have told you, but that will bear out in time. But don't go around all puffed up. All right? Uh, now, another thing to notice here, that uh, there are influences in the earth. There is God influence, there is Satan influence, and then there's just life influence, people. We also have a factor. Not everything that happens in life is God or the devil, okay? If Lathan walks up to you and slaps you in the face, that wasn't the Lord, <laughs> all right? Or that was, it might, it might have been the devil, I don't know, but you know, it, uh, you know, quit over spooking everything. Again, we don't have a lot of those people here because we filter them out. But we got a pretty strong filter for that stuff. I do not tolerate it. If to you everything is God or the devil, <laughs> you know, like you're some kind of a super spook, then uh, you're, there's something wrong with you. Chill out. Not everything that happens. I was at some lady's house. It was like a trip to the Twilight Zone. In fact, I expected when I rang the bell to go, dee 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 dee. You go in and you're talking to her and all of a sudden the wind blows and the, sl the screen door slams. She goes, ah, I think a demon just entered the room. It's like, lady, you crazy. I need to get out of this room. <laughs> Don't be a super spook, okay? Chill out. Not everything is God or the devil. There's just people. You driving a car 60 miles an hour around a curve that says 20 and you crash, it wasn't the Lord. Are you hearing me? What even the devil? You're just an idiot. <laughs> Which brings me to another point. <laughs> As I ramble along. Easy with the, why did God let this happen? Kind of talk, okay? Check yourself. Now this is very common. Either if you have a tragedy or you know people who have a tragedy, one of the first things they go to why did God let that happen? Why did God do that? Oh, check it. Who said God had anything to do with it? The Bible's pretty clear. If something unusually good happens to you, this is from God. Every good and perfect gift, James says, is from above. But then Jesus said, Satan has come to rob, kill, and to destroy. If it involves loss, death, or destruction, it's not God, it's the devil. And I am stunned at how often something terrible happens and people go, why did God let that happen? Well, God had nothing to do with it. 
Why that earthquake? Why did God kill all those people? God didn't kill them. If it has to do with death, destruction, and loss, this is Satan. Okay? Good God. Bad the devil. Let's try this one more time. Good God, bad, the devil. I know this is very complicated for those of you who don't have college degrees. But for heaven's sakes, don't be caught up in this insanity and in its pure arrogance. What God let that happen? Man, chill out. Okay? If it's bad, don't we point fingers at God. Lathan walks up and slaps you, and then you point a finger, Pastor, why'd you hit me? I didn't you, he hit you. Well, why'd you let that happen? I didn't, he hit you. I mean, the devil must laugh all day long. He goes around wrecking people's lives and watch them turn around point fingers at God. Yeah, God, why'd you do this? And it's so amazing. People who never go to church, or Christians who hardly ever go to church, something bad happens, and right away they're pointing their fingers at God. Don't you do that. And when you hear somebody else do it, just calm them down. Say, no, 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 no. You don't know that God had anything to do with this. They might have a hard time for them understanding because it's amazing. As soon as something bad happens, everybody's pointing at God. It's amazing. We as fallen creatures on this planet tell God, get out of our lives. We don't want anything to happen, anything to do with you. We're going to do what we want to do, the way we want to do it, when we're going to do it. And when something bad goes, we point pictures at God. Don't be caught up in that nonsense, okay? Don't be blaming God for stuff that God had nothing to do with. Sometimes it's just life. You know, talking to somebody, their 96-year-old grandma dies. Why did God let that happen? She's old. <laughs> Your granny, God had nothing to do with it. I'm serious. You think I'm making this stuff up? People go crazy. They're raped over the coffin of a 100-year-old. <laughs> why did God? God, why? Check your medication, man. What the heck? Now, sometimes things happen bad early on and, and you want to, you know, go there, but just be careful. And by the way, and people who don't know God, they don't get it. So you don't yell at them. I'm talking about people of faith. Don't you go there and don't you play this game of pointing at God and yelling at God. God, why'd you let that happen to me? Listen, we don't answer, God does not answer to us. We answer to him. Y'all getting that? Don't you get in this mode yelling, God, why'd you let that happen to me? Why, God, why, God, why? God doesn't answer to you. We have become so arrogant today. Seriously, we need to reevaluate the way we think. Bad stuff goes, happens, point at God, something we don't like. God, why'd you make this happen? Whoa, easy. I think a lot is we've got this over-exaggerated sense of self-worth today that is really destructive it's really gotten out of control alright so anyway keep all that in check then Jesus says to his disciples whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves we don't like that take up their cross we certainly don't like that and follow me we don't like that either people don't want to follow Jesus they want God to follow them Get them on. God, I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. The things don't go the way we want. We get mad at God. As if God is some kind of a puppy dog running around making sure everything that happens to you happens right. Again, easy on the arrogance. We get ourselves in all kinds of trouble. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. 
Whoever loses their life will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and lose their soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, talking about Judgment Day, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. It's amazing how often Jesus makes a statement and then says Judgment Day. Listen to what I'm saying, Judgment Day is coming. Listen to what I'm saying, Judgment Day is coming. Listen to what I'm saying, Judgment Day is coming. It, we're as bad as the disciples who didn't get Jesus saying, look, I'm going to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me and I'll raise from the dead. A lot of people are living like, life like there is no Judgment Day. It's just like, we're completely clueless. All right, now there's a lot of things I could say about all that, those two verses, three verses of Scripture. Uh, but I'm not going to because... Uh, as you get involved, and you should, for Lent at least, you should be involved in a life group or come to the church and get involved. If there's service, I know Point has it, right? On Wednesday nights, we have it here. The rest of you guys should be plugging in uh, to life groups or something like that. At least for Lent, get a little commitment here and get involved. Just don't sit home and watch Gilligan Island reruns, all right? Anyway, for the whole season of Lent on Wednesday night, I'm going to be teaching just on these few verses. It has a lot to do with what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I won't elaborate on it because I do it on there. Then he goes on and says, Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his glory. Talking about the fact that, uh, you know, actually a lot of people were confused about this because they thought that when Jesus said he was, uh, nobody, some, some people would not die until he came back again. That's what they thought he was talking about, but he wasn't talking about that. Coming in his glory, it was when he was raised from the dead and, and ascended into heaven, that was his, his glory. Uh, the early century church didn't really quite understand us. When, they said, when Jesus said, I'll be back, they thought he was like going out for a gallon of milk or something. You know what I'm saying? And coming right back. No way, no way did these people think 2,000 years ago, that 2,000 years later, we'd be talking about this stuff. Not a chance. They all thought he was coming right back. They really did. And some of them thought, well, he said, well, some of these guys won't die until he comes back. Well, it wasn't about that. Okay, it's not about him coming back. It's about his glory. All right, then we get to Matthew, the 17th chapter. Kind of a major event, certainly in the lives of Peter, James, and John. Now, six days after, later, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John. These three guys were kind of like the inner circles for Jesus. And he led them to a high mountain by themselves. So they all went up, camping up in the mountains. And there he was transfigured before them. Think of the word transformed. He, he goes through like this metamorphosis right in front of their eyes. It's as if along with those guys, he let the God part of him start to just burst out of him. And look what happens. It says that uh, his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. He's just glowing. Now check it out. These are men who've never seen a light bulb. These are guys who've never been to a movie and seen special effects. This is 2,000 years ago. All of a sudden, this Jesus that they're with starts glowing like a light. They can't even look at his face. It's so bright. His clothes are going, and he's just glowing as he starts stepping in between this world of the natural and the supernatural. And it says in the next verse, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now, how they knew it was Moses and Elijah, I don't know, you know, but apparently they're talking long enough. They don't give us details. The Bible doesn't give a lot of details. All it just tells you the facts. 
So anyway, here they are. Now, Moses and Elijah is a big stinking deal to these Jewish men. I mean, you don't get much higher than the food chain in Judaism than Moses and Elijah right behind them. These are the primo dudes. All right, so here they are. Jesus is glowing like a light bulb. Moses and Elijah show up. They're all talking. They are watching, they are experiencing before their eyes this step between supernatural and natural, and they're watching it. And they're like, wow. And they're so thrilled. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you want, I'll, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. They basically put Jesus in the same category as Moses and Elijah. Again, you don't get higher than Moses and Elijah. And Jesus, well, okay, we'll put the three of you here. Well, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covers them, and a voice from the cloud, which must have sounded like James Earl Jones, <laughs> said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And the Bible says when the disciples heard this, it was, they, now get, they've seen the glowing. They're looking at this, you know, like, beam me up, Scotty, transitional stuff. And Moses and Elijah, they're talking. They're all so excited. The cloud comes in. But what freaks the willies out of them is the voice. <laughs> Again, it had to be James Earl Jones and not Mickey Mouse. All right. So when they heard this, they freak. They fell face down to the ground, terrified. But then Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Easy for you to say. You were glowing like a light bulb. All right? These guys were freaked. And they got up. And they saw no one except Jesus. The point of this, I think, was to really impress on these guys. First of all, to let them see a glimpse into the supernatural. But also for them to learn that even Moses and Elijah do not measure up to Jesus. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. They're all thrilled about Moses and Elijah. Let's build three temples. God shows up and says, hey, this is my son. Listen to him. Ah! They wake up and only Jesus is there. The focus was focus on Jesus. Don't be focused on in all this other stuff. Now, again, I've talked about this before. It's amazing how little details the Bible gives about stuff. Almost from beginning to end. The scriptures just would give you the facts, throw in a few details, but give you the facts. And sometimes even the details, it was like they didn't even focus that much on the details. They're just giving you the facts. Okay, this is what happened and they went on. It's like they intentionally tried to keep the emotion and the drama out of it. Very few times in the Bible will you find any place where you really start seeing the drama of what was going on. There's a couple of places uh, in the Old Testament. The only place in the New Testament probably is when in the book of Acts, uh, Luke was writing about the shipwreck, that he was with Paul on the shipwreck. And if you read it, it's like a story. You know, this happened, and then the wind started blowing, and they, we freaked out. What are we going to do next? And then they started measuring the ground, the, see how deep the water is, and we're headed for this crash. And I mean, it's, it's the only place in the New Testament where you really get into story mode. Anybody who tells, and that's it. Anybody who tells you the Bible is a collection of stories doesn't know what they're talking about. If these are stories, these guys are terrible at it. They're terrible storytellers. I've already given you more drama than he wrote here. And I'm just making it up. <laughs> I don't know exactly what happened. You know, I, that's part of the fun when I teach this stuff. I'll try to give you, you know, ooh, what if this and what if that and what if that. Kind of give some zap to it. But, uh, it, you know, what is happening? What is happening in these guys' minds when they're seeing Jesus like this and they're seeing between these worlds? They're not saying anything. Just, it happened. They freak. They get up. Just Jesus is there. Now, 
Peter does later talk about this event where he writes in 2 Peter, if you'll read it, he says, I was there. I saw him glowing like this. I saw the cloud moved in. I heard the voice. This had to be an amazing moment for Peter. But then Peter goes on and makes this incredible statement. He says, but even still, we have a more sure word that this is the Messiah. Now, you would think just him seeing this and Moses and the cloud and everything, else, that, that's all it would take. But he says, oh, we have a more sure word, which is the scriptures, which is an amazing statement. What Peter is basically saying is, look, even we don't trust what we saw and heard. What's more impressive than what we saw and heard is what we read in the scriptures. That the most amazing standard of what is true and what is not true in life, you will find in the Bible. That's why we should study the scriptures. They took the scriptures extremely seriously. They basically said, God says it, I believe it, that settles it, amen. That's what amen means. Amen means so be it. We should be living an amen kind of life. When we learn about God's truth, amen, that's it. God says we should do this, amen. The Bible says we should do this, not do that, amen, that's it. But we don't have an amen world today. We have a yeah, but world. Yeah, but. Well, well, yeah, but uh, I don't want to do that. The Bible says we should give money. Well, yeah, but, but uh, I don't want to. The yeah. Bible says we should do this, that, or that, or don't do this. Yeah, but, but I want to. The Bible says you should not commit adultery. Well, well yeah, but, but we're in love. The Bible says you shouldn't be sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Well, yeah, but, 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 but. Stop with the yeah buts, Okay. Again, a lot of this goes back to this narcissistic world that we live in that I think starts in our school systems, man. You know, for the last 20 years, all this emphasis on self-esteem. Everybody has to feel good. You know, we can't play a game where anybody wins or loses. Everybody's a winner. We all get a ribbon. Ah! Listen to me, on Judgment Day, everybody doesn't get a ribbon. Are you hearing me? God does not grade on a curve. People think that God's truth is true, yeah, but not for me because of this or because of this unusual situation or because of that or because of that. And I'm telling you, you talk like that. You got a bunch of yeah buts coming out of your mouth, you're turning into a butt. A yeah but. Don't be a butthead for heaven's sakes. Start with the yeah buts. God's truth. You, I'm telling you, you will never understand or grasp the truth and reality of the Christian experience as long as you are in yeah but world. Because we think it doesn't apply to me because I'm special. I'm unique. Woo. And the moon follows me when I drive at night. <laughs> Listen to me. You're not the center of the universe. There is a God. You're not him. Are you listening to me? People literally, they live their lives. You get up in the morning, you go to work, you do everything, your whole, everything, and you just, God is an afterthought to you. And then amazingly, if something goes bad, then you get mad at God. We have lost our ever-loving minds. We need to seek first God. Everything else will come in line, the Bible says, if you will put him first. He is God, you are not. 
And yes, all of this applies to you. No yeah buts, all right? We need to do the right thing. We need to be the kind of people when we learn God's truth, our response is amen, not yeah, but. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. I know these words are hard for people. Lord, I'm sure this church would be three times as big if I wasn't so mean when I preached. (laughs) But we got to get the truth into people. I'd, I'd rather have a lot smaller church where people actually live this than playing patty cake with people. God, help us to get out of yeah, but land and to realize this is about you. This isn't about us. We don't get to make up the rules as we go along. We don't get to obey or disobey because we think we have extraordinary circumstances in our life. God, I ask you, I can talk about this, but until you turn the light on in their heads, there is nothing I can do. I ask you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, turn the lights on in people's hearts. Let us become an amen generation and not a yeah, but generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you.